Is your website ready for GA4? Google Universal Analytics stops collecting data on July 1st, 2023. And based upon the website builtwith.com, there are 25 million 939 and 381 websites that still have Google Universal Analytics associated with them. Is your website one of those? Welcome to the EMJ SEO podcast, where it's all about you learning SEO so that you can rank in Google. Hey, it's Matt Hepburn. I'm an SEO professional with 13 years of experience working as a consultant, working in large and small agency. And for the past seven years, I've been working in the enterprise sector for some of the biggest brands out there. I provide SEO tips for beginners, and I tell you straight out what's going to work and what's not going to. This episode is brought to you by Interview Bookers, the podcast booking agency that provides link building through podcast episode show note links. If you're looking to support Google's EEAT framework for your SEO, you can build links as an expert, educating from your experience on podcast guest interviews. Let your links to your website stand out from the crowd visit us at interviewbookers.com. Today, I welcome Stephen Ehrlich to the show. He is the CIO of Digital Marketing, a longtime friend and a coworker from Martindale Hubble LexisNexis back in 2013, 2014. So we can definitely call ourselves old school SEOs. Steve has 15 plus years in digital marketing, everything from SEO, local SEO, PPC, and social media and beyond. Today, we're gonna to be talking about the difficult topic of Google Analytics and the move from Universal Analytics over to GA4. Hey, Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Matt, good to see you. It's absolutely great seeing you. Uh, it was really great uh, catching up with you uh, before the episode started. Uh, was hoping you could uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, about your company and, and what you do. That'd be great. Sure. Uh, well, my name is Stephen Ehrlich. I've been uh, working in the digital marketing space since probably about 2008. Uh, I would say I started even a little bit earlier than that, but I just didn't really know what I was doing at that point. But uh, I came to understand it as search engine optimization. Uh and uh, I've expanded since then into pay-per-click and uh, social media marketing as well. Uh, I'm co-founder and the CIO of uh, Digital Law Marketing. Uh, we're an exclusive digital marketing agency for uh, attorneys. We focus on uh, trying to bring high-end value and not competing against ourselves. Uh, and... Um, yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up. In this section, Steve tells us what is GA4. Put it concisely, Google Analytics 4 is a free analytics service that enables you to measure your traffic and engagement across your websites and apps. Uh, in a bit longer form, it's the platform that Google is using to replace uh, Google Analytics Universal, which is their current product that uh, everyone has come to uh, know and, and for the most part love over the last uh, more than 15 years that uh, that one's been around now. Uh, so it's it's been a really 
interesting move into GA4, and, and there's a variety of reasons for that move. So I wanted to know, why should we move to GA4? What's the big deal? For starters, you don't really have much of a choice, unfortunately. Uh, right. Google is starting to uh, starting the process of sunsetting uh, universal analytics, which is going to be uh, a major challenge for a lot of small businesses, as well as people that are uh, learning SEO for the first time, or even experienced uh, SEOs for that matter. Uh, I don't think Google's done such a great job, in my opinion, of communicating how this is all kind of working together. The great part about uh, the move to Google Analytics is you do still have some time to move to GA4, um, but you know you should be starting to collect your data now if you have not started already. So you may be asking yourself, why has Google changed? What's the big deal? Universal Analytics has been around for 15 years. Why are they switching to GA4? This part of the episode goes into detail as to some of the reasons why they made this change. Those are kind of the more obvious reasons is obviously the data privacy regulations that are going on worldwide mm -hmm. that really uh, require you to be able to restrict what types of data you're collecting uh, depending on the region as well as uh, where that data is stored on Google's end. So Google now only stores US data on US servers and uh, you know they have uh, other sites set up for storing data that uh, is not, uh, you know, that is from uh, international uh, yeah. type of data. I have other, you know, speculation in terms of why they, they would make this move. Uh, including, I, I think Google's just trying to get out of the business with so many websites existing now, uh, you know, just trillions of websites. They, they are really trying to get out of the business, I think, of storing data for free. Right. Uh, for people storing massive amounts of data for free. So, uh, I, I think that has a lot to do with this move as well. Okay. Um, but, I don't think it's necessarily all a bad thing. You know, I, I do think Google Analytics 4, and we'll get into some of this uh, as we go along, but it really does allow you to visualize your your data much better. Right. Uh, and it really lets you control what you want to see and where you want to see it. And, uh, and I've come to relatively like it. Uh, you just also have to be prepared for the challenges that you'll come across along the way. So if you're curious to understand what happens with GA data from Universal Analytics and GA4, and does this data kind of work together or how is it stored? This part of the episode goes into much greater detail about these issues. Well, I guess, uh, you know, for starters, uh, obviously they're getting out of the business of storing data for free. And, and one of the things that's that's happening that they have not communicated very well, uh, although it is in their notes, I can't say it's not there, but uh, in general of, of you get this pop up in Google Analytics. If you've been in Universal Analytics, you've probably seen it asking you, do you want to create a GA4 property? Right. Uh, side note there, I would hit no um, and create the Google Analytics for property on your own. Otherwise it's gonna otherwise it's gonna start trying to pull in and recreate all types of things that are from your universal account. Uh, you should really look at this as a chance to get a fresh start, you know, to kind of change the way that you you view analytics. Uh, and uh, I think 
I think it'll be a good thing in the long run, but in the short term, it's going to be a lot of pain uh, for for a lot of people, unfortunately. So in this section, we really get into the weeds about the compatibility of universal analytics and GA4, and what does that mean, and what can you do moving forward for storing data and such. There's uh, there's a lot of things that have changed uh, drastically. Um, some things haven't changed drastically and are really just a rebranding. So uh, page okay. views, for example, has changed to views. Uh, that's just to more appropriately, uh, since this works in apps as well as uh, websites, it's helping to call that in an app, you wouldn't really call it a page view, you know, so it's it's helping to standardize the metrics so that if you're jumping between an app and a website and then back to the app, they can kind of track that seamlessly, which is something that Universal was uh, not effective at. In this section of the podcast, Steve talks about how you can get your data out of Universal Analytics and what you should consider doing moving forward. Yes, and yes and no. They are sunsetting the data, as I said. Uh, they'll be you have about six months after July 31st, which is when Google has announced uh, they are going to stop tracking data in Google Analytics. You'll have about six months after that to pull whatever data you want out of Universal Analytics before it goes away forever, uh, which is is not, you know, was was a very overwhelming thing when I first heard it. Right. Uh, sure. There are there are lots of different ways you can export that data. You can go ahead and you know export it to Google Sheets manually, uh, one by one, then try and organize it and and put it all back together in a in a readable format. Uh, obviously, you can download uh, PDF versions of all of your uh, old data, but uh, for most companies, that's not going to be an effective solution. That's right. Uh, what we did at Digital Law Marketing is we are in the process, uh, as we speak, actually, of dumping all of that data from uh, Universal Analytics into BigQuery so that we can go ahead and pull that data at any time, uh, you know, obviously within certain restrictions. And, uh, and again, when you do that, if you choose to do that, make sure you know the regulations in your region about what would be considered what they call PII or personally identifiable information right. uh, type of data um, and, and make sure you're compliant. Uh, but it's not against any regulation to pull high level, you know, types of data from Universal Analytics, dump it into something like BigQuery. And then you can use BigQuery to create your Looker Studio or Data Studio uh, reports uh, as you would normally. Um, and one of the difficult challenges here is you really can't blend, as you mentioned, the Universal Analytics data with the GA4 data. So you're going to still have to get a little bit creative with how you uh set up your new looker studio dashboards uh you know at least i have not found a way to blend the two sets of data yet i i don't think there's a way because of the differences in the metrics such as bounce rate versus engagement rate now, if you log in to ga4 you'll notice bounce rate is not there by default uh it's called engagement rate you can flip it back to bounce rate a lot of people uh don't know that you can still use bounce rate if you prefer bounce rate engagement rate is basically just the inverse of the bounce rate so if your bounce rate is 60 percent, your engagement rate would be 40 percent so it sounds like if you're going to use something like data studio or looker studio as it's now known 
right? You might have two kind of reports in there or or pages that have reports, right? Where you have all this uh, pre-GA4 data in a dashboard where you're able to basically pull that and have metrics. And the benefit of that over a PDF, like you were saying before, is you can one, download that uh, in, into a spreadsheet if you need to. Uh, if you're doing a year-over-year um, report next year, right, uh, and you're comparing the GA4 data to this, right, and you know it's a bounce rate versus engagement rate, you can still say, well, here were our numbers last year, right, over this year, right, or if it's quarter over quarter, right, whatever it is. Uh, still really important that we have those metrics. So this is kind of the critical thing that businesses should hire somebody to, that understands this to be able yeah. to have all this data. Otherwise, if they wait till the last minute and they're just pulling it by spreadsheets, they're not going to have all the data and they're not going to go back as far as they possibly can from their data, data analytics. So I love the fact that you're bringing this up. Here, Steve talks about the new functionality within GA4 versus universal analytics and what that means for us moving forward as we report metrics. Well, that's kind of beyond the uh, simple metrics that we were just talking about. Right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are changing from the perspective of uh, GA4 versus uh, Universal. You could ping the API as many times as you wanted to be able to uh, pull data directly from Universal Analytics into Looker Studio. Uh, if you're creating any kind of complex reports, and you're trying to pull directly from GA4 into Looker Studio, you're going to run into uh, probably some problems with uh, the data pulling in correctly or at all. Uh, they've set something around, and I don't, you know, I'm not exactly sure on the number, but I believe it's 120 uh, pings to the API per hour. So if you're, if you have a big report where you're pulling in a lot of data, you're going to hit that 120 and before you even get through the report. And all of a sudden, you'll you'll run into a lot of errors and uh, things along those lines. So that's one of the other benefits to dumping all of that data into BigQuery. Uh, one of the things that is nice is there is a direct connection between GA4 and BigQuery that is free to use, uh, which allows you to from the day you set it up moving forward uh, to bring that data from GA4 into BigQuery uh, without an intermediary. But again, this is depending on how much data you have. Uh, so for an agency with a lot of clients, this may not be the easiest solution. And if you're going to get started on the process of dumping universal analytics data or GA4 data, I can tell you firsthand it's a it's a painfully slow process in a lot of ways because you can't just hit one button and let it all dump at once uh, you will run into api troubles uh, you really kind of have to uh, when you're backfilling the data uh, using uh, we use supermetrics as our intermediary uh, but as you're dumping that data uh, if you try and do too much at once the api is basically going to come up and tell you you're making too many simultaneous requests and will basically tell you no. So it does require a little bit of manual work sitting there and set by set dumping that data in and deciding exactly what data you even need to dump in. Because 
dumping all of it is not necessarily going to be the most efficient option. So figuring out what data you need uh, is, is important. This episode is brought to you by Interview Bookers, the podcast booking agency that provides SEO benefits with each and every podcast guest interview. Are you ready to boost your keyword rankings in local search while being seen as an expert? This is all possible when you appear as a guest on podcasts where the audience matches to your message. If you're ready to take your link building to the next level, then visit us at interviewbookers.com. In this section, Steve talks about where we can actually go to get some additional learning on GA4 so we can come to this with experience to the businesses that we serve. So I can tell you right off the bat, Steve, that there's probably people are gonna, that are going to be uh, listening to this episode and saying, how do I get in touch with Steve? Because I need help with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you for me personally, I, I wound up uh, working with uh, a, a colleague in the space. Uh, her name is Bree Anderson. I'm happy to share her contact information. And uh, she does a great team training that she walked our team through uh, to help us understand what we didn't understand and reinforce what we already knew. Uh, Dana DiTomaso, who's very well known in the, uh, if I mispronounced her name, I apologize, uh, but does an absolutely excellent job with, uh, she did a whiteboard Friday uh, just a couple of days ago, I believe, or a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'd have to pull the date on it. Um, but again, same type of thing, does a, an absolutely great job of of explaining things. She has a LinkedIn course uh, as well in LinkedIn Learning, which will help you with GA4. Uh, and one of the big things is, uh, you know, uh, is learning to use Tag Manager. Um, for yeah. me, I, I am on Twitter. Uh, I You'll see I'm not very active on Twitter, uh, not because of a lack of interest, but more so due to a lack of time to to get as involved as I like. I'm more of, a, of an eagle hanging above watching what's going on uh, than a participant. But by all means, if, if you have any questions, feel free to DM me on Twitter uh, or, you know, give me a shout out on Twitter and I'll <clears throat> more than happy to answer any questions that I can. In this section of the podcast, Steve talks about Tag Manager and introduces Tag Manager to you so that you have a better understanding about what Tag Manager is and what it does. Well, Google Tag Manager is a great tool that Google released a couple of years ago now, and it really allows you to, rather than messing with the code on the back end of your site on a regular basis, to deploy all your scripts and tags and, and instructions through Tag Manager mm -hmm. uh, instead of having to alter your code uh, every single time you, you want to make an update. So for a company like ours that's using things like live chat, that's using things like call tracking, where we have all these different scripts that need to deploy and they need to deploy only on specific pages versus on the site as a whole, um, you're going to find it a lot easier to deploy and uh, and organize those in Tag Manager. Uh, with GA4, the reason Tag Manager has become even more important is everything in GA4 is considered an event. Uh, right. So it's, you know, this has to do again with with the way they've changed to using, uh, the, the way they've changed their cookies and the way they've changed uh, the way that they're collecting data. 
But the nice thing about it is you can set all your parameters in Tag Manager. You can basically live out a Tag Manager. So a lot of instructions that you'll see for GA4, you'll notice that if you go into the settings in Tag Manager and pull a GA4 event, uh, you know, um, uh, tag in there, you'll be able to set your parameters just like if you were setting them directly in GA4. So it's it's a really great tool. Uh, it is a little bit different than I think some people are used to, and, and running tests on it and getting used to it is, is, uh, is definitely a task. But one of the things that I will say is kind of as you alluded to before is if you get really proficient with Tag Manager and GA4, I can tell you firsthand from my own perspective as well as talking with other business owners that and uh, SEO managers that people are looking for people with the skill set of understanding Tag Manager, understanding GA4, being able to uh, dump all of that data into BigQuery and then learning to use BigQuery to display that data in Looker Studio. This is a skill set that I think is going to only grow in its importance, especially over the next year. Like if you're talking about what's really hot in 2023, I think this is like the way to go to get yourself into uh, uh, a good position at, a, at an SEO company. If you are uh, kind of new to the industry and looking for like, what's that? What's that hot button thing that everyone's going to be looking for? Uh, I, I think a lot of people don't even know they're going to need it yet, uh, and that's that's how you know you're you are ahead of the game if you're learning it right now. Here, Steve talks about the pre-configured features that come with GA4 out of the box that you can implement. One of the nice things about yeah. GA4, I, I didn't really mention uh, so much about the reports and the explorations and things uh, in GA4. Yet, but as much as all the things in GA4 you're going to find uh, require a lot more manual configuration to basically you need to tell Google now what you want to see. Google's not going to basically tell you what it thinks you, you need to see right. as, as Universal kind of allowed you to do. But one of the nice thing it, things is on the event side of things, a lot of these events are actually pre-configured by Google now and are automatically tracked. And all you have to do is turn them on on the back end to turn them nice. into a conversion. So things like file downloads uh, for a lot of forms, you'll find you, you can get some form information, uh, you know, directly pulling in. As you mentioned, if there's a specific button or, or uh, something that you want to track, a lot of these things are actually pre-configured. Uh, some things you're going to have to manually configure, you know, on your own and uh, some things depending on, what software you're using may may be finicky and not want to work the way that uh, the way that Google's automatically set up to to analyze it. But uh, it is nice to have those at least pre set up so that you can basically just click a button to uh, to deploy them as conversions, uh, which is which is really, really a, a nice feature. So you want to know where the tricks of the trade are with GA4 and what features you need to turn on so you don't lose your data. You should listen to this section carefully. Well, I have both features to talk about here, I guess, as yeah. well as some things, some settings that you're going to want to pay close attention to. Lovely. Uh, you're going to want to, the first thing you're going to want to do when you start GA4 
is to go into your data retention settings. So you would go into admin, the admin section, and then under there, under the property, you'll see data collection. When you go in there, the first thing by default you're going to notice is that data retention is set to two months, uh, which is the default setting, and, and you'll be very unhappy if you leave it at, uh, at two <laughs> For months. Sure. Essentially, you'll take the analytics out of the equation, um, is the way I heard it phrased, and I think that's that's very true. Uh, one of the things uh, there, you want to change that to be 14 months. Uh, so the maximum it allows you to go to is 14 months. Now, there's been a lot of confusion about data retention uh, in GA4 and about what that means, that you're only retaining data for 14 months. From my understanding of it, and again, most of my clients have not been set up for the full 14 months yet. Uh, we we started in uh, September and October of last year, you know, really making sure everyone was, uh, you know, set up. But from the way that I understand it from people who have had it set up a lot longer than we have, uh, is that there's still high level, your high level data you'll still be able to see. Uh, what they're focused on is things that would allow you to uh, see more precise data uh, in your So something that is considered, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, something that's considered like a, a big bulk of data, they will still be available to you. Something that's considered more kind of like niche data is going to be more, uh, you know, is gonna be a little bit harder to access uh, or impossible to access. So uh, things that involve uh, things that involve personal information of any kind and and things like that are all going to start to uh, you know kind of slowly fade depending on the timeline that your data retention is set to. Uh, as I have not seen exactly what's available after fourteen months, uh, I, I can only go based on the things that I've read. Uh, but from my understanding is you'll still have data after 14 months. You just won't be able to create explorations uh, using that data. So uh, that will create a challenge if you're not using Looker Studio and, and if you're not kind of uh, pulling that data another way. Um, but from my understanding, it doesn't mean that after 14 months, you know, you're going to go back 14 months on your overall traffic chart and you're just going to see nothing. Uh, that's not really the case as I understand it. Um, I understand it to be a lot more precise than that. Uh, one of the other settings that is is important to check that is off by default, uh, somebody like me, a lot of my clients don't need this information, so I can leave it off, but uh, it's under the Google Signals uh, area. I'd have to pull up the exact name of it, uh, but you'll turn this, this setting on only if you need uh, male-female data, for example, things that uh, become a little bit more, um, fall a little bit more under that uh, PII type of information. You do have to manually turn that on, and that is under that same data collection section. Uh, it's not under retention. It's under um, one of the other. Uh, there are three things under there and I, I can't pull the so name off. Is the it more of a demographic type of information? Yeah, it's exactly more demographic type of information. Uh, I'm just pulling it up right here just so I can see it for you. Uh, but it would be 
under data collection. It's called Google Signals Data Collection. And Google has a whole little thing right under here that tells you uh, what and why you should be turning this on or leaving it off. Um, I, one of the things that I am currently investigating that uh, I'm more than happy to provide an update at some point in time is uh, how this having this on versus off uh, when you're dumping data into BigQuery, uh, how careful you have to be about what fields uh, this is going to pull into your BigQuery, because again, storing that data for an extended period of time beyond uh, what is legal in your in your area may cause you a, a big legal headache. And uh, we've left it off for most of our clients. We do have a couple clients that have wanted to turn it on. Uh, specifically, you know, when you're talking about things like uh, divorce and they're trying to figure out their male female audiences, you know, some of from what I understand, uh, you won't get that information without that on. So sure, uh, we're we're still in the early stages ourselves, but I, I felt like this is the topic that that I gotta start talking to people about because as soon as I mention some of these things to people, there, you, you know, the brain exploding emoji. You know, that in this section of the podcast, we dive into privacy, GDPR, and how Google Analytics four handles this. Well, some of these things we did touch on a little bit already right, in right. terms of how the data is stored and, and things uh, of that nature, whether it's stored in the U.S. versus, uh, you know, the EU. And uh, you, you have a lot of different regulations from, you know, area to area and even state to state in the United yeah. States. There are some states that are adopting, uh, I would say, laws that are probably a little closer to the EU than the mm -hmm. general laws state to state in the U.S. Uh, Google does still use cookies, but they're called first-party cookies, which uh, is, a, is a little bit different without getting into kind of the technical side of it. That is what keeps them compliant with uh, GDPR right? Uh, in terms of the way that they're collecting data. Uh, and the way that Google's kind of filling in those gaps is using all the machine learning technology that we've all been hearing about for years in terms of uh, Google's ability to uh, understand uh, larger sets of data based on, uh, you know, based on extrapolation of the data they've been able to collect. So one of the things that I had heard in the past was uh, another concern for GDPR and analytics was the IP address That's that was was more IP address storage in GA4, which uh, is is a actually I think a good thing because it'll it, it allows you to they track things now by user ID versus IP address, so it allows you to uh, understand an individual's journey through your website without understanding exactly who the individual is, without being able to pinpoint that exact data. So uh, this is something I would be, I would consider to be a good overall change. So what did the IP address used to collect? Do you, uh, besides location, right? It was like country, maybe a region. Uh, was there any other information that it used to collect? Do you know? You know, there was a lot of information it used to collect. I don't have the whole list off the top sure. of my head, but it does. Uh, it, it also depends on on what else you were doing with your site or, or application, right. and and that really 
is where you got into really murky territory even beyond i love uh, it murky yeah <laughs> even beyond the the base uh you know issues but uh i have not done uh part of the reason we actually just hired uh somebody to kind of dig into uh, a lot of the compliance laws because not only do you have compliance issues with ga4 but depending on what other third-party software that you may or may not be using, you can run right. into other compliance issues. Uh, so regarding your forms, regarding your your live chat service, if you you use a service like uh, like a live chat, um, you know. So there's there's a lot of of issues uh, regarding GDPR compliance and PII that. Uh, even elude me, and uh, even though I work with a lot of attorneys, I am not That's an right. attorney. So, That's for sure. any advice uh, provided in this podcast uh, should not be considered. Uh, yes, you know, uh, an attorney's advice. Uh, please, you know, consult with an attorney. Consult with your your local regulations. Don't don't rely on me on 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 that. I can give very high level stuff, but uh, you know, I I don't want to mislead people. So you want to set yourself apart as an SEO in 2023. One of the biggest opportunities for you to do that is to become a expert within GA4. This section of the podcast is going to go into some prerequisites that you might want to take a look at to do just that. I, I know, as I said, I, I know business owners I've spoken to directly who have I've watched them hire experts in these areas and, and, you know, if you're coming into the space as a new person and you can really become an expert on GA4 right. and on, on how to combine the uh, benefits of GA4 and Looker Studio and, uh, and if you can help them figure out things like how to dump Universal into BigQuery so that you can then have all that data that you historical data on historically yeah. you're going to put yourself in such a good position over a lot of other people i mean i can tell you up until a couple of weeks ago we were collecting data as of last year but up until you know one of the reasons uh you know we talked about doing this podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and i said you know what let me let me get proficient in this before uh, i go on and try and advise anybody as to what they should be doing um but yeah, absolutely. Think uh, think this is the big thing that will set you apart apart from yeah. the other people that are applying for the same positions. Yeah. And the nice thing is, if you learn how to do this, and, and you know, sticking to GA four for the most part. But if you learn how to do this, uh, I'm sure your whatever business you're working with also has GBP profiles. They, you know, you'll definitely want to set up Search Console. Uh, the same thing is true for Search Console and GBP. You have limited storage of that data uh, that only goes back, you know, in, in Search Console, it's 16 months, and GBP, right. I think, is about the same right now. Uh, you really, you can, if you learn how to dump analytics into BigQuery and then push it to Looker Studio, you can do the exact same thing with uh with uh, GBP and Search Console, and uh, even depending on you know, working with Supermetrics, for example, we can pull certain things. Uh, a lot of the call tracking services, such as we use CallRail personally, right. uh, but a lot of the call tracking services now have a limited amount of time that they're willing to store any data for you for. So for uh, CallRail, it's 25 months, 24, 25 months. Uh, the nice thing is, I can dump small p 
pieces of that data so that I can pull multi-year. So say we've had a client since 2015. Uh, well, if you're not dumping that data into something else, there's no way to pull how, right. how you know how many phone calls did they get in 2015. You have to reference your old reports uh, if you still have hard copies of them right. to be able to determine. Uh, okay, well, how did 2015 compare to 2023? Uh, same thing, you know, if you are just working with a small business or an enterprise, uh, same problem exists is you may want to be able to pull that data longer. Obviously, again, please make sure that you, you know, check what's legal in your region to, in terms of pulling, don't pull any names or phone numbers or IP addresses or any other uh you know personally identifiable information into a big query report because you're going to get yourself in trouble uh but you can definitely pull overall numbers into there and you can pull uh you know numbers you can pull things that help you analyze how are you doing in this period versus how are you doing in this period and uh, we found that to be a very useful feature as well and and as i mentioned we use supermetrics as our uh, connector there. Uh, they do a great job, great customer support team over there. So I uh, can't really praise them enough. It's not a cheap solution if you are running a lot of properties. I, I won't say that it's a, it's something that, you know, you're going to want to pay for for yourself, but their individual licenses to work with one platform, work with one account are, are actually very affordable. So if you just want to get in there and get some experience, uh, you can absolutely do that. And as I said, their, their customer support is excellent and they have great support articles and knowledge bases and things that you can, you can pull whatever information you need. And, uh, then obviously from there, it's just a matter of, of, remaining compliant within the restrictions. One of the things I do like about them is they really stay away from pulling PII. Uh, so by default, most of the platforms that I've worked with uh, using Supermetrics, uh, they've avoided PII altogether, and I haven't had to modify it too much. So that's that's always nice. Want to be the hero of your company that you work for or the company that you own? The way to do that is to centralize all of this different data that we're talking about. This section of the podcast is going to deep dive right into that. So I'm going to I'm going to tag into this. So if you are doing freelancing and a con or being a consultant or you're doing your own SEO side hustle, you don't really have to worry so much about where you're going to store your different reports. So uh, Steve actually just mentioned uh, a 2015 report. So let's say you are storing data. If you're smart, you're actually storing the data all in the same place. You're going to be numerically putting it there by the month or the year, uh, and you're going to have that data. And then, so now you could pull it into to, to BigQuery, right? Um, but once you start getting into an agency scenario, you're working for an agency or an enterprise scenario, what you have here is the opportunity to centralize all this data. When you have an SEO team, right uh where you've had members uh, employees who have come and gone sometimes this data is stored on their individual computers it's not stored locally maybe it's in the cloud somewhere um so another thing that you can actually bring to the table here is centralized location of this data for the organization no matter whether employees come or go and that way they can reference this. A lot of times when key employees leave, they lose that data because they don't realize that data is on that in that local machine the employee had. So um, 
that would be the other thing that say you another benefit you can bring to the table in 2023 is the centrally located information for the business where they can have this and they could always reference it no matter where uh, an SEO employee it, it, uh, works or doesn't work for that company. So it'd be great. Well, one of the nice things too about Looker Studio is is once you figure out how to connect all these different things and pull it into Looker Studio, you can essentially automate your reporting process where That's you, right. all, all you have to do, one of the tough things where we're a five-man SEO team uh, with a uh, uh, as I, I mentioned to you earlier, you know, with uh, close to 200 locations now in terms of, uh, you know, uh, that we're managing. One of the difficult things with this is when you're trying to report to clients. We wasted so much time on reporting in terms of creating uh taking individual screenshots out of different applications and then trying to put it together into like a nice PowerPoint. It's just, it's burned so much clock. And once once you get this set up, all you have to do is flip the date ranges and the whole report, you know, flips over for you. And, and it makes it where reporting to a client, you know, setting up that report, it's a five minute, 10 minute process. And it really just, it allows you to focus time on moving your clients or your business forward uh, instead of focusing so much on trying to analyze what happened moving backwards. So I'm going to tag into that. So another thing you can do with Looker Studio, uh, which used to be Data Studio, um, is you can integrate with Rank Ranger, which was bought by SimilarWeb. And the benefit of that, whether you're working at an agency or whether you're working for an enterprise company, is with the level that actually integrates, and it's of course a paid solution, uh, you have the ability to have 250 campaigns uh, on this on that starting level. So if you are managing a lot of different locations like you're talking about, you can have individual campaigns that go to individual looker reports, right? And uh, or if you're working on an enterprise level company, you have different your reports that you're setting up and, and campaigns are based upon, you know, inter, you know, you have international sites. Uh, so it's maybe it's a language specific or it's a subdomain or it's this main domain, whatever it might be. Or maybe it's just this 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 uh, region of this product page and it's related uh, posts that are associated with it. Whatever it might be, you can pull all this data in separately uh, for the different ranking of the keywords. And then you can also do it with the, the different uh, search engines. So the lovely thing about Looker is that you can have different pages in a report that bring in all these different metrics, the analytics, the ranking, um, the call tracking, whatever it might be. You know, you have the ability to pull in a lot of different metrics and have it one place. And to what Steve said, it allows you to be able to share it with the C-suite or the leadership or whoever it's going to be, and they can just change the date range in the data and will auto-populate the information that's there. And that's the beauty of that for managing reporting for 100 plus, 200 plus locations. So- Absolutely. When you have clients calling you constantly or or a CEO or, or whatever, constantly nudging you for, hey, how are we performing? How are we performing? That's how right. are we performing? Uh, one of our solutions, especially some of our clients have CMOs, you know, at their firms that yeah. uh, that 
kind of want to be able to just pop in at their leisure and kind of see, okay, how are we progressing? How are we doing? Uh, Looker Studio just allows you to do that uh, very, very easily and uh, yeah. without them having to essentially have you updated every, you know, uh, every time they want an update. So did you did you have a, a ranking solution that uh, links into that you wanted to mention? No, we actually, that's one of the things, uh, I'm glad you mentioned Rank Ranger because it is on, on my list of things that we are. Uh, I will I will connect you off the call with my contacts there, so. Oh, that's great, that's great. Yeah. That is one of the solutions that I was like, we, we for a long time uh, worked with another company, but it's it's been difficult to, yeah. uh, you know, we pull everything into spreadsheets and then we can yeah. use the spreadsheets to display it in Looker Studio if we want to, but it's, uh, a lot of times, uh, I'll just say a lot of a lot of clients don't have the attention span to go through uh, any kind of vast ranking report. So we keep it, you know, concise and simple to uh, to what their their primary focuses are. You know, it's it's a lot of it, it's a lot of data that that you're going through in in one it's of for these sure. calls. So. so so for me, uh, you know, I love it because I can put in the tracked keywords. Um, into that, and I can have it by the you know mobile tablet web, you know all that type of the different filters that you want to have as to be able to to where it's where it's showing up. Um, and I've done that in, in um, on the enterprise level, and I've I've loved it because I've been able to share reports specifically for different pages or whatever the the keyword ranges, and be able to say here you go. Um, you can look at it at your at your leisure, you know. So yeah, I would absolutely love to to kind of find a a little easier solution than the one that we have. So uh, we'll, yeah. we'll talk offline. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll definitely talk offline, probably momentarily. So um, listen, I know that we can talk for a long, long time, and um, I'm gonna let the audience go, and because I know they ha they have other podcasts they want to listen to as well. But uh, I'm looking forward to inviting you back on the show um, and following up on GA and, and, and local and whatever you, you're willing to bring to the show. So I'd love to. Yeah, fantastic. Well, listen, you have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Sounds good. You too, Matt. Awesome. Are you ready to break through and accelerate how you learn SEO? then please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice or join our email list at emjpodcast.com so we can keep you up to date. This is the EMJ SEO Podcast with Matt Hepburn, and we'll see you next time.